That's right, the Noonies are back, and I would love to thank our sponsor for this episode, Avast, who is a global leader in digital security and privacy, as you very well know, because they have over 435 million users, and the AVG brands are those that protect the people from threats on the internet and the ever-evolving IoT landscape. So thanks to Avast for sponsoring this episode, and I hope you enjoy. When I was a teen, I was busy being a loser and getting literally shoved into lockers and who knows what else. I was definitely not being a CEO or a badass big boss, but here today on the podcast, we have Arian Adeli, who is the CEO of Revo Trading, and he is a very successful entrepreneur at 17 years old. So I'm very excited to talk to Arian today about his experience with starting his company because Lord knows I was not doing that at 17. Afternoon podcast. Of course, this is the Hacker Noon podcast and my name is Amy Tom. Welcome to the podcast, Arian. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Aaron Adeli. I'm happy to be here. Talk to you guys a bit about my experiences, have some fun, have some chatting. Yeah. Amazing. So the reason that you're on the podcast today is because you've been nominated for a Hacker Noon Contributor of the Year Award in the investing category. So we'll chat a bit about that, particularly because of your company that you started. So could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, the company that I first started is called River Trading, and I launched it when I was um, 16 years old. And it's a fintech company that essentially aims to make it easier for anyone to invest with any level of experience, right? So whether you're an expert or a beginner, our platform just aims to make it easier for you to invest. And, you know, that's coming from someone that doesn't have a professional degree, doesn't uh, have any qualifications in regards to investing. And it's all learned based on experiences, based on talking to people that have been investing and have been in the, let's say, financial services sort of sector for, you know, a few years at least. And I learned everything by myself, right? And uh, when I say by myself, it's not to like discredit anyone. I got a lot of help from different people around me, but I didn't have any formal qualifications, right? So that's how I sort of relate to the problem of where do I get started, right? So I want to invest. I've got some money. I want to put it into something that's mm-hmm. going to give me returns for X amount of years, right? Uh, how do I go about doing that? And that's the problem that many people face. You know, it's not just me. I knew it wasn't just me. So that's why I tried to... Uh, come up with the solution to solve it. And I've been coding since I was 13 years old, right? I've been programming different websites, different applications, AI systems. And when I turned 15, I decided to branch out and mix it with financial services. And now I created an AI bot that takes in data, analyzes it, and then makes conclusions based on different uh, factors and different algorithms that I've uh, integrated into the system. And these conclusions are about, let's say, different financial markets, right? So let's say cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, different stocks you're looking at from all around the world. So it makes these conclusions. And uh, the accuracy is actually like quite high because I've been testing it since I was 15, right? So that's uh, over two years now that, that I've been testing the, the systems. And I think I was actually like 14, just about to turn 15 when I started. So, and yeah, so I've been testing it for a long time. The algorithm is very accurate and I decided I, I didn't want to keep it to myself, right? Because I usually do projects just for fun. I did at the time. I did the random projects for fun. And I just decided at one point, I, I've, it's always been my dream to launch a company, let's say, and follow my sort of passion for uh, entrepreneurship through that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why not 
now I'm just going to try to turn it into a company. And I made a lot of mistakes terribly wrong a couple of times. I live and we learn and I launched River Trading and now the rest of the street. Okay, I have a lot of questions already. Number one is where did you learn to code? Who taught you? Who taught me? When when I was 13, I had a friend that was in a programming team. He'd been like there since I was like 11. It wasn't at school. No, it was in that okay. an extracurricular sort of thing, right? Wow, but, I didn't even know that. But it was existed. all teenagers. Yeah, it's really cool. It was really cool. Okay. One of the best times of my life. So he was in this team for um, two years. And at the time, it was 13. So, you know, he joined when it was 11. And they used to go to Japan, Canada, different countries uh, to compete in. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. They used to go to like different countries to compete and they made different programs and they competed in like a specific challenge, right? And the challenge changed for competition. So it wasn't something constant. So I became friends with this guy and he, he, we became really close and he sort of urged me to uh, learn how to program so I could join the team with him. And that was, at the time, when we were 12, 13, it was just an excuse for us to spend more time together, right? Mm-hmm. It was just like we were trying to have some fun. So he tells me to do it, and I actually go quite serious about it. We both go quite serious about it because we reached a skill level, let's say, that, you know, it was respectable. Not that we were, like, professionals, but it was respectable, especially for someone that was, you know, 13 years old. So Mm -hmm. I took it very seriously. I went on a nine-month intensive course with a teacher that I'm forever grateful to. And I learned how to program, and I managed to join their team, right? And it was really difficult because I had to catch up with them. They'd been in the team for two years already at the time, three, because by the time I learned it and joined. So yeah, I joined their team and we decided to apply for a competition where the task was to apply our programming knowledge to make an AI self-driving car, right? And it was a virtual one, of course, not a physical one, but a virtual self-driving car that had to bypass certain obstacles that was put in place or... Um, if there was another car, let's say, coming, it had to figure out where to go. We competed in this uh, competition. We managed to do very well. We won some challenges, won some awards. And that was when I moved to Cyprus. Right, right after the competition, it was arranged for me to move to Cyprus. And when I came here, I just continued it by myself because it was one of the things that I very much enjoyed when I was, you know, 12, 13. And yeah, so I was working as a freelance programmer for two years. And I did random projects on the side to see what I could find. And that's how I skill, my skill set grew a lot. And it, it, went, wow. it grew faster than it normally would because yeah. I was more practical, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't spend it on the theory side of things. And, and that's how it is with programming. You can't really be theoretical. You have to be practical to learn. But yeah, I got into it very early. So it came naturally to me, I guess. Cool. Tell me more about the people who were very influential in your learning process. Are they Were they teachers of yours from school or were they part of this program for programmers to learn? Or where did these people come from? There are a lot of lot of people. I'm going to have to name a lot of people. So obviously, above all, my parents and my family have supported me mm-hmm. through the whole thing. And they've been very supportive of you know me starting early and they've helped me whenever they could, gave me new ideas. And actually, my dad was one of the main reasons that I decided to mix the programming aspect of things with investing in financial services, right? So my parents do play a very big role in whatever mm-hmm. I've become today. But other than that, which is the obvious, I'd say the friend that I mentioned had a very big influence on you know what path I choose in life. Then the teacher that initially taught me how to program, he, he put his focus on how to think rather than how to program, right? Right. And that really affected me. Like every day, in my, even in my everyday life, I still see it. The way I think is the way he taught me to think. Very big impact on 
on my life. Then I guess it was a collection of people that were around me in Cyprus once I moved here. You know, it wasn't just one person in Cyprus. It was a gathering of the people and everyone around me and different things that I did. And I participated in different, you know, programs, etc. And that's how uh, it led to be what I am today, right? So. Right. Okay. And how did you get more into the fintech side of things? Yeah, fintech came a bit later, right? When I was like around 15. And uh, it's because my dad's been investing and, you know, trading on the side. It's not his full-time job, but he's been doing it on the side for for as long as I can remember. And I remember like even when I was like seven or eight, I used to see him like doing different things on, on his laptop. I couldn't figure out what it was, obviously, in a bit looked like nonsense to me and i had this i had different jokes with him as well because you know how when you're looking at a chart for a specific for the price of a specific instrument there are different lines right there's this thing called the candlestick and i used to think it was a cucumber so like it's i had no idea what i was doing and it was always a like a curious thing to me because i always saw it and i never understood it so one day he goes uh, listen you know how to make a lot of uh, ai programs and I have to spend a lot of time looking at these different instruments to see if they're profitable, potentially profitable. Why don't you just make a bud? I'll tell you what, you know, data you need to take in and how you need to analyze the specific. And just make a bud that does this for me. I'm, I, I can't be asked to do it for every single one. It takes so much of my time. You know what? That's a fair point. It'd be amazing to do this for you because then you will. And so I did. It took me uh, with the testing tool. It took me two years. And yeah. Wait, so sorry, you said that you made a bot for your dad. Yeah, to share between me and my dad. And then I decided to turn it into a company because I don't really want to keep it to myself. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yes, he was very influential in helping guide you towards fintech. Okay, that's cool. So what about when Revo started getting more success? When did that happen? And when did you feel like it was really a viable business? That came far later than I expected and partially because I didn't have the experience to know that ideas fail right I, I guess I was less experienced than I am now and I, I didn't accept failure as, uh, as much so I expected it to come but after a year and a half I was working on the initial platform that we had it was more of an e-commerce style of things where I sold software and I worked with that platform for some time and it wasn't really working and I, w- I was contemplating whether I should quit and do something new or if I should continue it in a different way or, you know, double down on it. And I decided to start from ground zero again, reprogram a, a different platform, more user-friendly and subscription-based, uh, more affordable, generally a very nicer platform, developing it. And I launched it a few months ago, right? And that's when I saw the, like, the real potential in, in Riva. I, I really do believe this new platform can, can change how beginners especially get into investing even how you know experts manage their funds i see the potential because i can use it and i do use it actually the beta testing let's say the the testing version of it i use it myself as well because it really is convenient you get everything you need to know and every tool you you can possibly imagine you get on the platform at a very low subscription fee which is very good so that's when i saw the real and i'm still working on it i see the potential still but uh the platform isn't complete yet and we're still launching different features one by one, and it's scheduled to to be completed by like mid twenty twenty two completely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. So when you say we, who does that entail? I do most of the work by myself. It's not that I put like full time employees, but at the same time, I get help from my father for whatever. Let's say more business advice because he's got more experience than I do. And then sometimes for certain tasks that I can't do myself or that I don't want to do myself, I usually outsource an employee. But I don't hire them full time, right? Outsource many employees for different tasks, you know, whether whether it's about tech or marketing or uh, branding, whatever it is. 
Uh, cool. So that's what I mean by we. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And tell me more about your experience with starting your company, especially as a teen, because in my perception, maybe this isn't right, but do you run into any scenarios where people maybe don't take you, you feel like people don't take you as seriously because you're young or what's your uh, experience yeah. been like? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's not a wrong assumption because especially before, let's say two years ago or something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because I was much younger and much less experienced. Now people take me seriously, especially in Cyprus, because Cyprus is such a small country. With the level of success that I have now, I hate to sound like, let's say, full of myself in any way. I'm not, I'm really, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be in life. But many people have heard about my work. So now I've built a reputation for myself in Cyprus, at least nowhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. But in Cyprus, they do have a reputation which uh, sort of gains me the respect. So at the moment, I'm not really facing that issue. And I'll explain more on that in a bit. But when I was 16, when I was 15, I used to go on meetings. And because Rivo is not the only project I've done. During the summer, I've done like another project providing digital menus to restaurants and cafes. And I used to set up meetings with all these restaurants. And because of my age, over like 90% of them said no. So yeah, and then like many people didn't take me seriously. And when I asked for people to have meetings, they usually were hesitant to give me a chance, which is, you know, understandably because um, in all fairness, there aren't many 15-year-olds or 16-year-olds that go up to someone and ask them to do business with them, you know, in a serious manner. Especially maybe when you're asking for money as well, I imagine, or time and energy too. Uh, but yeah, I figured I have to gain the respect, right? Because yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I need more time and energy. I never really approach anyone for money because uh, I haven't gotten to that level yet that I need some mm -hmm. funding. But yeah, for even time and energy because it's worth something, you know, and yeah. and many people are has. But, you know, I, I thought to myself and I actually kept thinking to myself, like, why is this happening? Why, why, what can I do to make people, you know, take me seriously and i figured it's understandable because even if it was me if i was like 45 years old and i had a business now uh, you know my family depended on it i probably wouldn't let a 16 year old come do business with me right well now i would because i started early but i'm biased right if i was a 45 year old didn't start early then it would have been different right and i figured that i needed to gain the respect let's say because for example when you go to university or when you get a college degree that's like a status thing right that that gains you some level of respect you've gone through that much when you turn 18, it sort of gives you that respect of, okay, you passed the teenagers or an adult now. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are different things that give you some level of respect. And that's why I decided to publish the book. That's one of the main reasons that I published the right. book, because I, I tried to put my knowledge into something that people, something tangible that people can look at. People can look at it and they say that, okay, you know something, and he's done some work, and it's just... Yeah, so tell me more... Also, about this book it's called more seriously than before oh sorry we're lagging a little bit but tell me more about this book the it's called fortune. the quantified fortune right and it's a international oh. bestseller what yeah it is yeah i had to do a lot i put a, a lot of effort for the marketing campaign it okay was, where did you publish it, it saying, or... like, it's self-published the book is self-published because it was the easiest and the quickest way to do it yeah, yeah, and I have more flexibility over how it is, right? So I get to choose everything. I can change the cover anytime. I can change the price anytime. And I'm sort of, there's no middleman, right? So it's, it's more convenient for me. And thanks to, you know, companies like Amazon, it's so easy to self-publish a book right now. And if you've got right. the book, it's so easy to publish it. It's harder to get sales on it, of course. You can self-publish, but I really do think if you can manage the marketing and the promotions, it's the best option. 
And yeah, I published it on Amazon using self-publishing. It's available in both Kindle format and paperback. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So I remember when I was maybe like 21, so not even in my yeah. teens, but going into meetings yeah. with C-level managers and trying to pitch them something or have a meeting with them and like basically peeing my pants about it because I was so yeah. nervous and so scared. So how did you gain the confidence to be able to approach these people? I have to say it's through failure. I remember like mm -hmm. uh, the first time that I got invited onto a podcast of any sort was, I don't think it was the first time, but it was probably like either either the first or the second time. And I got invited on a podcast with Benzinga. And Benzinga is like a very big, you know, financial mm -hmm. services publication. Right? It's a major thing. On their YouTube channel, they had like 60K subscribers at the time or 80K, I can't remember. And for your first time when you're 15, 16, it's, it, it really hits you. It's really cool. And I was, I was super confident. You know what? I'm going to go for it and I'm going to kill it. And I told everyone to watch me. And it was live. It wasn't a recorded uh, interview. So I told everyone to watch me. And then as soon as, so they had this really cool like platform that you could see yourself in the backstage. So you were at the wow. backstage virtually. It was really cool. Yeah, so they, when they put me live, they literally dragged my picture and they put it on the main screen. Uh -huh. And then I saw that I was live right there. And then I forgot everything that I prepared for, <laughs> for, the, for the interview, right? Uh -huh. I messed up so badly. And he asked me like, one of the main things that I actually pride myself on is the track record of the performance of the bot that I've built. So you can actually tell that it's been working for the past two years, right? Because you have to trust it somehow. And that's one of the main things that I like pride myself over, you know. And uh, and the interviewer, he asked me, do you have any proof of like the performance of what you created? And I was just so stressed out. I said, no. And it was terrible, right? So I was really nervous <laughs> and I messed up really badly. So yeah, it happens. In the beginning, it did happen. I used to go on meetings. I didn't know what to tell them. Uh, but it just happened so many times that now I, you know, I don't really get nervous because I, I, I've seen how it plays out. It's never as big of a deal as you think it is. Right. And you tend to overthink it, right? Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. Okay, cool. So what are your plans for the future then? What are your goals for your career and for your business? So the, let's say more short-term goals, say in one year, to finish the platform for trading fully and build something and that's completed as a package, right? Like you, every feature is complete, no bugs, no nothing. And get that going, work on the marketing more, improve the branding. And, and that's for the professional aspect of things. For river trading, those are the goals. Just mainly finish the platform and get the promotions going. And then the second year, we're going to go really heavy on promotions, hopefully to get tens of thousands of users, because I really do think it has the potential. Then as a, as like a, the personal goals are a second book is coming. I'll tell you that. Cool. That's one of my goals to publish the second book. I've started writing it. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. one's going to be much better than the first one. It's, I can already tell, like, the first two pages that I've written, I can already tell it's going to be much better. And I'm really looking forward to that when it comes mm -hmm. out. And it's just, it's one of my biggest goals for the near future, let's say one or two years from now. Then what else is there? I have to start writing more. I have to start writing more. That's one of my goals because uh, I used to be, I used to write a lot. I used to write articles left and right, give it to different magazines and newspapers. But now I've slowed down on the writing for some reason. And I wrote, mm -hmm. I write, like, one article every two weeks now. It's, uh, I don't like it. I need yeah. to switch it into like more of a weekly basis thing. And then, but that's like uh, an article every two weeks included my personal blog, the company's blog and everything. The writing that you see on Hacker Noon, that's different. That's like once a month. Mm -hmm. So I need to work on that a bit more. 
But yeah, these are the goals for the Walsh University. I need to get into university. Yes. I'm so focused so much on work and stuff. I've completely lost track of the academic aspect of things. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So it's fine, tell me it's, more. It's going well. It's going well. So far, it's going well. <laughs> tell me more about your daily life then. How do you structure your day and what are you working on in a given day? Structure my day. All right. So do I you still have to go uh, to high school? <laughs> Is that a thing for you? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Okay, it's, uh, uh-huh. takes so much, it takes so much time out of my day. Yeah, it's bad. It's so inefficient. I, I go there eight hours, nine hours a day. <laughs> Going to high school is inefficient. Uh, but okay. yeah, I have to, I have to. <laughs> So inefficient. So inefficient. Such a waste of time. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I have to do it, so I, I do it. Uh, so I wake up around 6, 6.30 a.m., go to school, finish at around 2.30. Then straight after school, I go to the gym, stay there for around an hour and a half-ish. I get home every day at around five. That's when I eat. And from six after, it's when I have all the time. And, you know, I need to do whatever I plan to do or schedule to do on that day. Usually I dedicate around at least two hours to, to professional work. That's not related to any academic stuff. Maximum. Like some days, okay, one hour, some days 30 minutes, just academic stuff to get the homework done, get it in. Yeah, the rest, you know, by the time I need to shower and whatever, it's 10, 10 p.m. That's I'm dead yeah. by then. Okay, 10 wow. 10 p.m. I'm out. That is a packed yeah, um, day. And what about, you know, like regular teenage stuff like gaming or hanging out with your friends going out on a Friday night? Do you do you have fun? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I do have fun. Yeah, but uh, I stopped gaming when I was 11. I, okay. I haven't gamed since. It was never really my thing. But yeah, I do go out. So I, uh, I usually go out just about days on weekends or either Friday night and Saturday night or Friday night. That's really all the times I go out. It's just more like at the gym because I'm with a group of people, five, six people. Yeah. So that's enough socializing for me, yeah. Okay, that does sound like a very balanced schedule, actually. It nice. is, about, yeah, it's very important. It's very important. Like, I didn't have it when I was 16. I didn't have such a balanced schedule. And maybe that's why I have uh, published a book. But yeah, I, it's, I realized that they're very important to have a balanced, let's say, work-life thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what kind of advice do you have for other people who are maybe your age who are looking to become entrepreneurs people that are my age the number one advice well actually i'm gonna give two advice because i'm feeling very generous today so mm. first advice uh yeah learn to learn that's the one advice I always give anyone no matter the age and that's actually it's, it's not an original advice i don't take credit for it it's the first teacher that i had that told me how to program he told me this and he said that it's because everything's adapting so much. You're going to have to learn a new language. You're going to have to do this. You're going to do that. New skill here or there. And he said it doesn't matter what skills you know at the, at the present time. It matters whether you're willing to learn. And if you know how to learn fast, right, then you can always adapt. You can learn new skills, pick new things up. And that's how you can really stay ahead of, you know, the average Joe when it comes to catching a trend before it pops up. So learn how to learn, you know, work on that. Be a flexible, you know, adaptable learner but for more specifically to people my age is start now right whatever and not with entrepreneurship specifically because mm. i don't believe everyone should go after entrepreneurship it's um it's not the perfect life that everyone you know pictures an image of it there are sacrifices you're going to make there are benefits of it and it's not for everyone and i fully understand the people that don't want to become an entrepreneur it's like fully understandable i personally loved it since i was little and i plan on doing it for the rest of my life but you know, it's not for everyone, but whether you want to become an entrepreneur or you want to become, you know, whatever, a musician, a chef, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, start now. Because if you're ambitious and if you want to get somewhere, 
you know, in the top, let's say 0.1%, 0.01%. You need to have a competitive advantage against all the percentage that, you know, falls below you, right? So if you want to be in the top 1%, you need to have a competitive advantage over the other 99%. And um, let's say you have a lot of money. That's a competitive advantage. You have a competitive edge over someone who doesn't have any money. Uh, let's say you know how to do something. You have a specific skill or talent no one else has. That gives you a competitive edge. Right. These different things, they all give you, you know, a college degree. These are all competitive advantages. And another one that people tend to forget is time. When you've got a lot of time, that's a big competitive advantage because you get to make mistakes now. And by the time everyone will start, you know, doing or chasing their dreams or becoming your competitor, essentially, they're going to be making mistakes, but you've already made yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you can get ahead of them. Right. So starting early is key. It's really important. It's the one thing that like gives me the, you know, head start. Mm-hmm. So, so if you now. had to do something again, is there anything that you would do differently? Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't spread myself too thin. Mm-hmm. Right, that's that's the main thing because I really do regret it. I learned from it, so I don't regret it. But it was something if I'd done different, I would have been much you know different position in life because I love the technology aspect of things. Right, as long as I had some tech in it, then I loved it. So when I saw an opportunity, I always used to take it, whatever it was related to. I've worked on a food tech startup. I've worked on a fintech startup. The menu thing that I told you about, providing virtual menus. Mm-hmm. I've, I've worked on a tech blog. I've worked on so many freelance other projects. I've worked on some crypto projects, some NFT projects. So whatever I've seen, I've picked up, right? And some of them, the majority of them actually, except for river trading, the majority of them, I ended up making very little progress in all of them rather than becoming great at one of them. Mm. And I feel like uh, it's important to specialize. It's good to diversify it, whatever, you know, it's, it's good to diversify because it lowers the risk of, let's say one of, uh, let's say you're in a specific field, FinTech, and if you get bored of it, for example, or if it um, declines or whatever happens to it, at least you've got another field to work on and you can branch out. But you need to specialize at some point and to an extent, right? We need to have some sort of purpose or aim that you're working towards otherwise you're going to be all over the place and it's just not nice you don't you, you know you end up making no progress at all but do you feel like your past experiences in all of the other industries that you've worked in has led you to love fintech as much as you do then oh yeah definitely yeah yeah because it was a big debate in my head i always used to uh, like i was very skeptical about continuing with fintech at some point mm-hmm and you know and i asked myself so many questions and i doubted the industry so much but now that i've decided on it you know it's more valuable to me because i've gone through all the doubting and all the questioning before right and okay cool that makes a lot of sense great and what else would you like to tell the listeners about your hacker noon contributor investing nomination vote for me now like get off your phone and go vote for me that's one thing <laughs> i want to get the, the dot tech domain yeah no yeah. it's a it's a very cool award um i'm very happy to be nominated for it and you guys know how to vote for me the page is there a contributor of the year category you know my name ari nadelli vote for me and please log in and make an account on hacker news before you vote because then the votes count is like triple as much right yes so, oh yeah. my gosh just do my job for me that's great perfect yeah i know i know <laughs> You are all in the know. Okay, amazing. And Arian, if we want to find you and what you're working on online, where can we look? So reach out to me on my social media. If you Google my name, they're all going to pop up. 
Uh, you can reach out to me mainly on LinkedIn. That's for professional work. I'm very active on whatever it is. I'll try to um, reply to your message. And you also, you can visit arianadili.com, which is my personal website, or rivertrading.com, which is the company website. And you can see all my work there. And, okay, yeah. great. All right, I will put all of those links in the show notes. And of course, yes. like Arian mentioned, don't forget to vote for Arian for the Hacker Noon Contributor of the Year in the investing category. <coughs> I will also put that link in the show notes for you guys. Thanks so much for joining the podcast, Arian. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. <coughs> if oh God, you like this... at the end of the podcast. <laughs> If you like this episode of the Hacker Noon podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe it. Maybe leave a little review. And if you're looking for Hacker Noon online, you can find us at Hacker Noon on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever your social heart desires. And as always, stay weird and I'll see you on the internet. Bye. Hacker Noon podcast.